0: Hello and welcome to the Saxo Market Podcast. I'm sure that many of you don't recognize my voice and that's because I've only been part of one of these episodes before. My name is Soren Otto and I'm an investment editor here at Saxo. And I'm here today because of two things. One thing is that Peter, he is currently skiing in Norway and obviously we hope he has a great time there. The other reason is that we're changing the format of the Saxo Market Call a little bit. Uh, So we're going from four episodes to two episodes a week. Uh, one that's coming out Tuesday morning, one that's coming out Friday morning. The Tuesday one is going to be a little bit more news-oriented, you could say, what has happened in the previous week and what is uh, the most important things in the the, the macro financial world to pay attention to in the coming week. The Friday version is going to be more of a deep dive into some kind of theme that we think is an interesting theme uh, that's also relevant for the financial markets and that we think we need a little bit more time to talk about. Um, But I think that's enough about the new format. We hope you like it um, and um, are excited to see these changes. And obviously, Peter will be back next week, but not as the host of this. Uh, today, uh, I'm not here to make you any smarter. Luckily, I have a, a very, very good wingman to that. I am in a room with our commodity expert and uh, financial uh, strategist, Ole Hansen. Hi, Ole. Hi. Hello. Good afternoon. So, Ole, today we're going to talk about a little bit of uh, a bit of uh, a few different things. Uh, we're going to talk some key figures. We're also going to talk about some election. We're going to talk Bitcoin, earnings seasons, and uh, also your area of expertise, which is commodities. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. Yes. Uh, and uh, also the king that we just got here in Denmark yesterday, maybe. Um, but let's start with the key figures. Yeah. Um, we've seen er, early in January, we saw a market that was very focused on, for instance, the non-farm payrolls. They were looking for something that could point them in a direction of how the market was developing. Mm-hmm. Last week, we got two two key figures. We've got the CPI and the PPI numbers, yeah, which are um, are more or less inflation-related um one was strong one was softer uh what, what's your general take in in terms of that and 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 to some extent you could say that the markets probably didn't focus as much on them as we
1: expected maybe they were more focused on the on the red sea and the developments there yeah to a certain extent uh, it has most certainly been a bit of a volatile uh, start to the uh, talk of war between uh, different focuses but um but overall, what's uh, what really from a financial perspective lies on top of everything is really the the timing, the depth, and the pace of incoming rate cuts. Uh, I think there's no doubt that the, the next move will be down uh, when we look at some of the major major central banks uh, around the world and the focus there especially on the US. And as you mentioned, uh, Sean, so, we had the CPI and PPI out last week uh, pointing in, 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 in opposite directions. But uh, what really took the market by... Um, by by storm on Friday was simply that the PPI some of the components in the PPI number was uh, is also used in the uh, PC um, data which comes out next week and uh, based on those uh, numbers that we, we 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 saw there we could potentially see um, PC uh, December PC on a uh, both on a three and a six month basis uh, drop below two percent based on the Fed's uh, inflation target and uh, that. Obviously, will if realised, will leave the door wide opening for rate cuts. We also seen the expectations for a March cut, percentage wise, move back up to the seventy to eighty uh, percent area. So um, it looks like we are potentially heading for a cut already this uh, March. And uh, I think that uh, once once the once the uh, the cat is out of the bag, uh, then that then we will see a succession of rate cuts. Simply because we have a presidential election later on in the in in the U.S. and the Fed is not uh, will not want to be seen as being interfering in in that that process. So if they want to cut rates, they'll probably do it sooner rather than later. So right now the market is pricing in uh, at least uh, six twenty five basis point cuts um, before year end, and the the through or the low point in rates is. Uh, is priced by the market to uh, happen around December next year, 2025, where we could potentially re- uh, come down to as low as uh, 3%. So um, this is really, it was the main, uh, the main takeaway last week from the, uh, from the economic data. And we can see how the market responded uh, quite positively, especially in the bond market and in something like the, the gold market, which is also looking for, for those uh, movements to unfold.
0: Something else that uh, caused uh, quite quite a stir in the financial markets last week was the approval of uh, Bitcoin noted ETFs by the SEC in in, in the US. Um, could you could you just tell us a little bit about what happened there? Because it was a at least to me, who isn't a financial expert, a little bit of a frank, frantic uh, couple of days uh, with a
1: lot happening there. Absolutely, and I think what we what we're seeing here is is a typical. By rumor, sell fact situation simply because this process has been underway way for a long time, and the market has been gearing up and has been anticipating the the opening up of uh, Bitcoin contract ETFs as the next big thing uh, from a from investor perspective. That it could uh, help attract even more interest into the market simply because it's easier to. We all feel familiar with ETFs, how they operate and how they work, and uh, and and we've seen that in 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 other areas where where when uh, when some when ETFs are launched, that tracks an underlying. We've seen that, for instance, with the uranium, where we've seen a very strong rally in uranium simply because we have a increased ETFs uh, that, that buy up the underlying, and, and that's attracting interest. But um, the first two days of launch, as you, after the launch uh, on Thursday, as you say, Thursday and Friday, very volatile. We had a what was it, a fifteen percent. Uh, peak to, to low uh, drop uh, within those two days and basically I think a reflection of the fact that now is out so what's what's the next major driver well the next major driver will have to be a re- uh, simply a confirmation that this this uh, new uh, this change will attract increased investor demand and I th- looking at the how the the ten different ETFs performed I put out a table on my Twitter account Ole underscore S underscore Hansen. Uh, over the weekend, just to uh, where we follow the ETF flows. And um, there's no doubt that the first two days here really attracted There's two major ETFs that stood out. It was the iShares, I think basically because iShares is a very well-known name in the ETF market, but also the one that calls Fidelity Wise Origin Bitcoin. They attracted 61% of the $1.4 billion that flowed into these 10 ETFs. It's also worth mentioning that we had a uh, already established ETF trust. It's called Grayscale uh, they have seen outflows of close to 600 million. So net net, um, 800 million dollar flow into uh, these ETFs. Perhaps not a, a a strong or as big a, a flow that uh, maybe you would have anticipated. So uh, we'll watch that in the coming weeks to see how the how the, how this uh, these unfold. And uh, and clearly, there's no doubt that that the market will be looking for winners. Uh, where should I which if I want to invest, which one should I pick? And and again. That uh, really, I think, depends on on not only the cost structure of the ETFs. A lot of these guys, a lot of these ETFs, they have a fee holiday for the first few months, but also uh, the turnover and the the level of of participation. And basically, that's that's uh, which will support the underlying liquidity in the ETFs. Yeah, and I mean,
0: there's uh, there's just a few notes here that that these uh, funds are of a structure that uh, are you can't buy them in, everywhere. For instance, in Europe, you you can't really. Buy these uh, these funds, right? But, That's but true as well.
1: Yeah, there's some real regional uh, d- le- d- regional um, differences uh, depending on on what uh, what you can. So obviously, if you are based in Europe, you you have to look up on your Saxo Trader on your or wherever you trade uh, just to see whether they are they available for trade or not.
0: But still, not that we should should uh, speculate in anything. I, I guess that that some of the the people that really want to believe in these cryptocurrencies, it's it's kind of a blue stamp that it is something that financial markets will focus on in the in in the future.
1: That's true, and also, uh, funnily enough, it's, it's it just means it's become more mainstream. And uh, if anything, Bitcoin was actually created to be non-main non-mainstream. But uh, but uh, given some of the disasters we've seen in recent years uh, and fraud cases and so on, it, 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 I think there is a sense in the market that it, it needs to be some kind of there needs to be at least some kind of involvement from 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 uh, regulatory authorities for it to uh, f- for the trust to be there. So uh, we'll see how it works out. Um, yeah this is not a recommendation uh, to buy or sell i have I've, I've not uh, myself at any time been involved in the in the in the space I do not understand it um but <laughs> uh, simply the fact that uh, that something should rise because you're looking for someone who's looking for who's looking to, based on the fact that someone will buy it at a higher price tomorrow than where you bought it today uh, and the scarcity of the availability of bitcoin but we have yet real to see what it can be used for so um so the jury is still out on the the long-term prospect but uh, from in obviously from those who want to dab in uh, it's, it's it's becoming easier and easier to get involved kind of like with the uh, heavy metal bands that uh, start underground and, uh, until
0: it's uh, too profitable to not become mainstream true um the next thing we will and this is just something that we'll touch upon briefly because we don't really know the real impact of it is that we had uh, 2024 is a year where we are going to see a lot of political elections around the globe we had one of the, the 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 bigger ones, or at least one of the ones that are worth paying attention to over the weekend, uh, which was in Taiwan. And again, we're just going to mention how it went, uh, but we don't really we we have to wait and see. Uh, I guess is is the point here.
1: Exactly, and I think the uh, the, the key takeaway is simply from from a global. Uh, uh geopolitical and uncertainty uh, perspective, uh, the result was probably a a good one, Uh, perhaps not for the uh, Taiwanese economy, because it's basically a Hong parliament. But it also means that we we are probably going to see policies that is going to be a uh, relatively censored, um, and and that that I think that brought a bit of a relief. Uh, so for now, it's a hung parliament, and uh, and and with no no clear uh, no clear winner, and uh, that means there is, as I said, the outlook for a bit more of a centrist stance, which potentially could be a bit more palatable for for the uh, for the government on the other side of the street
0: if we look ahead to the coming week we're also going to mention something briefly which is the earnings season is kicking off.
1: Yeah indeed and um I think what we what we've seen uh, we had the banks kicking off a bit of a mix back on on Friday but uh, what what we'll probably see once again as we move into the Q4 earnings season is that expa- expectations are fairly low just like they were in the Q, in the Q3 and uh, that basically is uh, has left a relatively low bar for companies to beat. Uh so we'll see what the what the data are and what the results are in in the in the coming weeks, um, there is a, there are some quite elevated expectations about earnings growth building into the market for for this year, uh, to and also revenue growth and and some of these could potentially end up being li- difficult to live up to. But but I think the main takeaway is at, that that um, that the the expectations are fairly low, and only. Um, and only five of the 11 sectors that are in the, S- in the S&P is expected to show growth this uh, fourth quarter. So, so communication, services, utilities and consumer discretionaries, they all expect to see earnings growth. Uh, while on the other hand, we've got materials, healthcare, and energy, they are, they are expected to see decline. So um, we'll see. Uh, but as says on it um, will we'll hopefully be a little bit wise when uh, Peter comes back next week. But, uh, but it's it really just starting in earnest now. So it will be a few weeks before we, we get a clear, clear picture. And it's
0: definitely something that uh, we're going to cover in this uh, podcast. I think it's going to be the Thematic Podcast next week, uh, but obviously also in the news podcast, but also in on our other platforms, you'll be able to find a lot of information about during earnings season in the next few weeks. Uh, something that I forgot to mention is also that if you want to read more about this Taiwan election, uh, our c- colleague from China, Redmond Wong, also has posted a very nice article uh, explaining the impacts of that. In much more detail and you can find the link to all of our content uh in the podcast description and i really urge you, if you think that kind of thing is interesting then that's a great article to uh to start you out on that journey but all, uh now i think it's time that we uh move into uh to what really drives your enthusiasm and i think that is the the commodity space i think we should maybe start uh with the gas prices in europe yeah um because they haven't really risen as much as you may expect especially when you look at the the challenges that are or the tensions that are in, in the Middle East yep. um, could could you give us a, a sort of an overview of how it's looking and why it's looking the way it is
1: simply because this is happening in December oh sorry in January it's not happening in October or November so we're simply running out of winter to uh, for this to become a critical uh, or potentially have a critical impact on the gas supplies to Europe. So uh, price-wise we are trading in the low 30s Europe per megawatt uh, hour we are not that a million miles away from where we uh, where we traded uh, before the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine and before we cut supplies from Russia or before Russia cut supplies to us um, and that just highlights a, a system that has been has been uh, a- adapting to uh, LNG imports it's also unfortunately I'll say a, a reflection of an economic uh, uh, growth that has been uh, on the disappointing side, especially in Germany. So gas demand has uh, fallen. Uh, we're going through a, a bit of a cold spell uh, now. Uh, during the uh, has been now for the past couple of weeks, but it has not been uh, been. We're seeing very very elevated inventory levels, and uh, also there was some stories that uh, Qatar, which is a major supplier of of gas uh, to the world and also to Europe, uh, they have uh, halted some of the the ships from entering the Red Sea. You'd say when when a a, a a a country which is friendly towards uh, Hamas uh, shelters some of their leaders and uh, to the to the general uh, general situation there, then the fact that they are also halting does indicate that this is uh, this is an uncertain period the we're going through with uh, U.S. and U.K. missiles as well uh, raining down on on Houthi uh, positions in in, uh, in Yemen. So, but overall. Gas that, gas that leaves uh, Qatar at this time uh, will only really arrive in Europe uh, towards the end of the, the heating season. So, um, so that's why we are at, at a low point. And if we should, for any, if we see the weather uh, start turning more uh, milder here towards the balance of the, the winter period, uh, the next six weeks, uh, then potentially we could see gas prices drop even further. Slightly opposite situation in the U.S., where prices have moved high, uh, high we have this uh, what do you call it, Arctic bomb uh potentially stretching all the way down to texas uh and that's uh, that's raising demand at least here in the short term yeah for a guy that follows the nfl uh, there's
0: uh, all heaps of challenges with uh, getting those uh, playoff games off right True. now because there's yep. so much snow and so very cold over there yep um so you say that in terms of gas the the, the middle eastern tension isn't necessarily going to play a big impact in 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 that that space at least not for europe uh, h- how about, uh, how about in something like oil, for instance, which is somewhat the same?
1: Well, the oil market has been trying uh, quite frantically now for the past couple of weeks, or at least I uh, almost the past month, to uh, price in some kind of a geopolitical risk premium. Um, it comes and it goes almost as fast as, <coughs> as it uh, builds up. Simply because, uh, for now, there's no. Uh, yes, w- the impact so far has primarily been in terms of transportation, longer supply routes, higher cost of transporting uh, crude and fuel products. But uh, the actual production areas have yet to be uh, be impacted, and and we we seriously doubt that this this would be the, the end up being the case that it will spread to these uh, to, to, to 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 spread more more east uh, to the Middle East, uh, center of the Middle East, but. But again, the market tends to be asking uh, questions first and then looking for answers afterwards. And and, and that's the reason why we uh, just briefly last week saw Brent crude uh, trade above 80. But but generally, again, the the movements that we've seen compared to previous geopolitical spikes has been very, very modest. And it is in the belief that it will not have an overall economic impact or have an impact on production uh, from, from key producers. At the same time, it's also, uh, we're going through a soft patch in terms of global demand, and that basically means that of war between soft global demand and the geopolitical risk that will continue to uh, keep this market uh, ebbing and flowing. Um, I, would not be a, I would not be a seller, uh, at least for now, just simply because the uncertainty related to, a, uh, to uh, an event uh, could, have, could trigger a bigger spike than the opposite in the downside direction. So, um, so I think for now, we're we probably stuck here around the eighty level in Brent. But if you look at something like grain, uh, just staying on, on on the commodity side,
0: uh, something like futures seems to to have sold off quite heavily. Uh, what what what's the story there?
1: Well, the story is that we we have a continuation of this north south divide that emerged much last year with the uh, El Nino weather um, for. Uh, pattern having a, a quite a substantial negative impact on production of uh, some of the soft commodities sugar coffee and cocoa in the southern hemisphere while the northern hemisphere was uh, benefiting from uh, from from decent conditions uh, making it uh, resulting in a in a bumper crop of key crops from grain uh, from, sorry of grains from wheat corn to soybeans and the uh, the result of this is is uh, is still hurting the market we uh, we've seen a, a significant uh, a slump in the price of of grains if you look at the bloomberg, bloomberg grains index it's now down 42% from the from that peak we saw in in uh, march 20 in may 22 and uh, at the same time we've seen a, a quite a aggressive speculative selling uh, hitting the grain sector so uh, to the point to the point that we now have the biggest short position since 2019 but overall the the commodity sector is uh or has been under some some selling pressure. We have not started a year since two thousand and fifteen with this with a, with a such low conviction in higher commodity prices as we start this year and uh I think that 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 will uh that will create some some opportunities as the year unfolds. Uh, not only, well, especially I will say in those commodities where we already know that supply is likely to be tight, and uh, thereby underpinning prices, even though demand may be uh, be on a bit a bit on the disappointing side, and in terms of of uh, the grain sector. We're entering this uh, this year with uh, with, with good uh, inventory levels uh, in the U.S. and globally, but uh, again, we uh, we are facing another another potentially challenging year in terms of uh, of weather, and uh, that will play its part. So, so uh, volatility is, is probably the only thing that we uh, that we are assured that will continue to be be uh, impacting the markets.
0: Just, uh, just a short follow up. Uh, you said that uh, one of the interesting areas to look at is uh, the commodities that where supply is already tight, or we know that it's tight.
1: Which, which commodities are we talking about here? Well, we're talking about. I th- I th- primarily i would say some of the uh, some of the metal markets uh, we all know the story about copper we've seen some of the mining companies uh, recently uh, reduce their uh, their production outlook for next year that 's uh, clearly not the direction that we need them to go when the, when the demand from the green transformation is only going to uh, to to uh, continue to rise in the in the coming years. We have seen uh, the situation with uranium where uranium now is is uh, past one hundred dollars a pound. The highest levels in more than a decade. Uh, we had the, uh, one of the world's biggest uh, mining producers last week in Kazakhstan coming out uh, lowering their outlook for production outlook both for 20, uh, 24, and 25, and um, and that's uh, that's happening at a time where there's a lot of speculative interest in uranium. Uh, I mentioned the ETFs before the ETCS, uh, sucking out the physical uh, metal of uranium from the market at a time where utilities probably have been a bit lazy because we've had so uh, such a long period of time with low prices that uh, have not really been doing much in terms of hedging and forward buying, um, and that's now leaving them uh, the scrambling to uh, to to, uh, to 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 get enough supplies in, and that that's also driving up the price. But uh, I would say the metal space, especially, I, 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 as we put, highlighted in our uh, outlook, which came out last week, we call the commodity space the year of the metals, simply because we are seeing good upsides for for copper, gold, silver, uh, potentially also uh, platinum. The energy space right now not as tight. Uh, we got OPEC holding back production. That production needs to be put back into the market before we can start to talk about whether it's tight or not. And
0: uh, I think, Ole, that uh, that means that I have uh, reached the bottom of my notepaper here. Uh, is there anything that uh, we haven't touched upon? that you feel like we should
1: uh, mention here in the end? I think we. Uh, I think we could. So um, again, the the market is. Uh, we're still. Only halfway through uh, January, the first uh, few weeks of, the, of a new calendar, a new trading year is always uh, potentially bringing some surprises or uh, making, creating some movements that uh, doesn't last. Uh, but uh, I think with the the market uh, so transfixed on on the direction of of interest rates, that really will continue to to dictate the market. And and as we and the more we price in in terms of cuts the more vulnerable the market is obviously going to be to uh, data, economic data that doesn't support these cuts. So uh, so economic data will be key going forward. Uh, we have a few from the U.S. on Wednesday. Otherwise, it's going to be the PCE next week. That will, I think will probably uh, mean whether we are going to 100% in, in conviction for a rate cut in March. I think uh, then
0: I only am left to say thank you for being so nice to me uh, on my first episode here with you. It was a pleasure uh, from my side. Well, uh, you hit the record button and you got your jingle going, so uh, what's not to like? I guess that's a question for you listeners. At least uh, thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in to our next episode, which is going to come out Friday. Until then, happy trading.